0: This is the twelfth Sunday after Trinity Sunday, and the gospel reading appointed for this day is taken from St. Mark's Gospel, the seventh chapter, beginning with the thirty-first verse. Again, departing from the region of Tyre and Sidon, he came through the midst of the region of Decapolis, to the Sea of Galilee. And they brought to him one who was deaf and had an impediment in his speech, and they begged him to put his hand on him. And he took him aside from the multitude, and put his fingers in his ears, and he spat and touched his tongue. Then, looking up to heaven, he sighed and said to him, Ephatha, that is, be opened. Immediately his ears were opened, and the impediment of his tongue was loosed, and he spoke plainly. Then he commanded them that they should tell no one. But the more he commanded them, the more widely they proclaimed it. And they were astonished beyond measure, saying, He has done all things well. He makes both the deaf to hear and the mute to speak. This is the gospel of the Lord. Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and from Jesus Christ, his son, our savior. Amen. A good tree bears good fruit. Among the saints of the triune God, the faith within the heart is manifest in the words and actions of the saint in the midst of earthly life. It is the regular character of such good works that they do little to draw attention to the one who performs them. The world thinks little of that which is God-pleasing and is drawn instead to the sham works of the Pharisees. But the Lord beholds that which is the fruit of the faith, which the Holy Spirit creates and sustains through the divine word. It is thus that, in the appointed gospel, we see the saints fulfill their duty toward their neighbor. Consider the context for today's reading from Mark the 7th chapter. In the verses just prior to this account, Jesus had traveled to the region of Tyre and Sidon for one purpose, which is recorded in Holy Scripture. St. Mark records, from there he arose and went to the region of Tyre and Sidon, and he entered a house and wanted no one to know it, but he could not be hidden. For a woman whose young daughter had an unclean spirit heard about him, and she came and fell at his feet. The woman was a Greek, a Syrophoenician by birth, and she kept asking him to cast the demon out of her daughter. Now, we remember this gospel account, for it comes up every year, uh, on the second Sunday in Lent, from the gospel according to St. Matthew, the 15th chapter. But St. Mark further records in his account, But Jesus said to her, Let the children be filled first, for it is not good to take the children's bread and throw it to the little dogs. And she answered and said to him, Yes, Lord, yet even the little dogs under the table eat from the children's crumbs. Then he said to her, "For this saying, go your way. The demon has gone out of your daughter." And when she had come to her house, she found the demon gone and her daughter lying on the bed. Now Saint Mark does not include all the details which are found in Saint Matthew's account. Thus, he does not reference the prayer which the disciples made on behalf of this woman when they declared, "Send her away, for she cries out after us." But the intercession which they offered finds its parallel in today's gospel reading, where we hear, again departing from the region of Tyre and Sidon, he came through the midst of the region of Decapolis to the Sea of Galilee. Then they brought to him one who was deaf and had an impediment in his speech, and they begged him to put his hand on him. In this action, the unnamed advocates for the deaf-mute man go even further in their intervention than had the disciples on behalf of the Syrophoenician woman. Like the disciples, they recognized who Jesus is, for it is as we hear in today's reading from Isaiah the twenty-ninth chapter, In that day the deaf shall hear the words of the book, and the eyes of the blind shall see out of obscurity and out of darkness. The humble also shall increase their joy in the Lord, and the poor among men shall rejoice in the Holy One of Israel. Jesus taught the disciples of St. John the Baptist by means of the miraculous proofs which he had performed, that he was offering proof that he is the Messiah. For thus we read in Luke chapter 7, Jesus answered and said to them, Go and tell John the things you, you have seen and heard, the blind see, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the poor of the gospel preach to them. And blessed is he who is not offended because of me." Those who brought the deaf-mute man to Jesus understood this, believing that the Lord could cure his infirmity. It was thus that they begged him to put his hand on him. While with the casting out of the demon, which possessed the daughter of the Syrophoenician woman, was accomplished from a distance through the word alone, the Lord honors their prayer and accompanies the word with a sign. For thus we read, And he took him aside from the multitude, and put his fingers in his ears, and he spat and touched his tongue. Then, looking up to heaven, he sighed and said to him, Ephatha, that is, be opened. Those who brought the man to Jesus could not help him from their own resources, but they knew where the man needed to be. He needed that which only the Lord could grant to him. And so they brought him to Jesus. There is, in this sense, no difference between the plight of the deaf, mute man and that of so many men and women in the world today. Consider the words of the Collect appointed for today, wherein we address Almighty and merciful God as the one of whose only gift it comes that thy faithful people do unto thee true and laudable service. This is worth keeping in the forefronts of our minds. As we heard last Sunday once again about the Pharisee and the tax collector in the temple, We are reminded how far astray people can go when they start imagining that God-pleasing service is something which they can devise for themselves. The man bragged about his tithing and fasting when he was in the temple, but his heart remained far from the Lord. By confessing his sin and trusting in Christ, good fruit were manifest in the life of the tax collector. The collect for today professes that which the epistle reading from 2 Corinthians chapter 4 teaches. When St. Paul wrote, And we have such trust through Christ toward God, not that we are sufficient of ourselves to think of anything as being from ourselves, but our sufficiency is from God, who also made us sufficient as ministers of the new covenant, not of the letter, but of the Spirit, for the letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. But the divine origin of such sufficiency does not only apply to the labors of the office of the ministry, I believe it attends all faithful Christian labors. We are not told of any relationship between the deaf-mute and those who brought him to Jesus, save that they trusted that the Lord could grant to this man hearing and speech. Our love in Christ extends to all who have a need, thus we pray for all people according to their needs. But above all, that they would be brought to the faith. As Jesus declared in Luke the sixth chapter, But if you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? For even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who do good to you, what credit is that to you? For even sinners do the same. And if you lend to those from whom you hope to receive back, what credit is that to you? For even sinners lend to sinners to receive as much back. So then. Beyond our use of material resources, how much more important that we pray for all men according to their needs. For the Lord declared in Matthew chapter 5, You have heard that it was said, You shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, Love your enemies, bless those who curse you, do good to those who hate you, and pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you, that you may be sons of your Father in heaven for he makes the sun rise on the evil and on the good, and sends rain on the just and on the unjust. And St. Paul also proclaims what a blessing it is that the ministry of death, that is, the proclamation of the law, and the ministry of the Spirit, the proclamation of the gospel, is glorious. In the reading from 2 Corinthians, St. Paul calls to mind the way in which the glory of the Lord was reflected in the countenance of Moses, when he would come from the presence of the Lord. Moses would veil his face in account of that glory until it faded. As St. Paul wrote, But that the ministry of death, written and engraved on stones, was glorious, so the children of Israel could not look steadily at the face of Moses because of the glory of his countenance, which glory was passing away. How will the ministry of the Spirit not be more glorious? The ministry of the law, convicting the people of their sins, is glorious, even as it proclaims death to the sinner. That which was established by the word of the Lord through Moses, the whole of that which was established for the church of the Old Testament with its rituals, sacrifices, and observances, was glorious. But it was fading away. If the people could recognize the glory reflected in the face of Moses, though that glory was passing away, how could they not behold the more glorious ministry of the Spirit? St. Paul declares clearly, and we have such trust through Christ toward God, not that we are sufficient of ourselves to think of anything as being from ourselves, but our sufficiency is from God, who also made us sufficient as ministers of the new covenant, not of the letter, but of the Spirit, for the letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. This is the New Testament ministry, the apostolic ministry by means of which the Lord blesses his church through the word and sacrament, entrusted to his called and ordained servants of the word. Not with outward glory, but with, this, with service to the triune God, the people are thus served. For the servants of God bring the word to his people, the word of the law and the gospel, for lancing the infection of sin and ap- applying the healing balm of the salvation which Christ has accomplished for us. It is by the word that the Lord opens the ears of the deaf and loosens the tongue of the dumb. And when the one man has been healed, the whole multitude could not be silenced. St. Paul wrote to the Romans in the 10th chapter. But what does it say? The word is near you, in your mouth and in your heart, that is the word of faith which we preach, that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. And he explains that this word comes to us through means. For Paul thus also wrote, How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach unless they are sent? As is written, How beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace, who bring glad tidings of good things. But they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed our report? So then faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. But I say, have they not heard? Yes, indeed, their sound has gone out to all the earth, and their words to the ends of the world. So far, St. Paul. The word proclaims the atonement which Christ Jesus accomplished for sin, so that we might see and believe that the Lord did not just heal bodies and raise the dead for a brief time. Rather, through his death and resurrection, Jesus has opened the way of eternal life for all who are baptized and believe in him. This is that ministry of the Spirit, at work through the word, that we might believe all that which is proclaimed. That which remains is more glorious, for Christ Jesus is risen from the dead, and the church proclaims that living hope which is ours in him. When we receive the body and blood of Christ Jesus in faith in the holy sacrament of the altar, we know that the holy sacrament gives to us the forgiveness of sins, life, and salvation. And we know that the one who has raised us from the death of sin is the one who gives us the word to speak and sing to the glory of his name in the divine service and throughout our lives. All our liturgy is a refrain. He has done all things well. Amen. Let us pray. Almighty and merciful God, of whose only gift it comes that thy faithful people do unto thee true and laudable service, grant we beseech thee, that we may so faithfully serve thee in this life, that we fail not finally to attain thy heavenly promises, through Jesus Christ, thy Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with thee in the Holy Ghost, ever one God, world without end. Amen. The people of Salem Lutheran Church of Malone invite you to visit them today for the 10.30 a.m. worship service. Sunday school is available for all ages at 9.30. We also invite you to join us for our matins on Wednesdays at 11 a.m. For more information about Salem Lutheran Church or these broadcasts, you may call the congregation at 533-2330 or visit us on the internet at www.salemlutheranchurch.net. Salem is affiliated with the Evangelical Lutheran Diocese of North America. These broadcasts are provided through the support of the members of Salem Lutheran Church of Malone.